I mean he's an impersonator. A fake. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the following urgent announcement. You, yes you, put down that oversized bottle of Scrumpy and listen here. Do you like being entertained? Do you like television? Well, do we have the show for you. Built for people who love TV, where three rapscallions dissect two television shows, one old and one not so old, for a probable audience of one. It's time for Hardly TV History. Hello and thanks for tuning in to Hardly TV History, the show where three idiots talk about two television shows for a probable audience of one. My name is Shannon, and as usual, joined here by both Jake and Christian. Say hello, fellas. Hello, fellas. Hey, how's everyone going? They can't talk back. This is not a this is not a one way, two way street. This is just us talking to them. Yeah, but but I, what but we... I, I want them to answer in their car while they're driving along. Good should, thanks. Should we I pause? Should we give them a, a moment of silence just yeah. to pause to answer? What one, two, three? Excellent, excellent. Mm. Don't mm. Know, excellent. Don't know what they said, but generally uh, they're doing better than we're about to do because I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure at least someone on this panel is going to ruin. Shows that I enjoy immensely uh, <laughs> for your enjoyment. So uh, now we're doing we're doing two, frankly beloved shows, frankly shows that people ought to have seen and haven't because these are shows that are cancelled way before they hit their potential. These are shows um, <coughs> allegedly. Uh, there's no alleged here. This is according, pure. We're spitting. Pure facts. Um, these, yeah, this is this is really a captain's call. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite audible. This is it, happening. If if this if this show has a steward, has a captain that drives it forward, I'm I've assumed that role, and therefore this really is the captain's call. I'm not uh, sure talking the most counts as being the captain. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm pretty sure that's how how politics works. I'm pretty sure that's how business works. Well, it's, it's, how, it's how Jeff uh, Jeff Rubinger does it. So we can. It's, we'll, if we'll I talk the most and talk over all of you, then eventually I am leading this. I'm effectively the captain on the Titanic, which is watching this slowly sink into the ocean. But <laughs> but it's two shows that, in my humble humble opinion. We're cancelled way too soon. We we're, didn't didn't get a chance to lift off in in the first show that we're going to talk about. Uh, it's a sitcom. The other one is kind of a dark comedy, but it, better off Ted got two seasons. Brain Dead only got one, and I think there was a massive potential for both of them. And I feel very disappointed that they didn't continue. So. This is the theme of today. Two shows that were cancelled too soon. Better Off Ted is a sitcom. Jake's going to explain it. Uh, you all know the, the how this all works. You've, you've listened yeah. to this show many times. If you haven't, go back and listen to them all. If you have, go back and listen to them all again. Yep, we really need to pump up those stats. Yeah. Pump those stats up. Yeah. All right, so uh, Better Off Ted. Ted Crisp is the head of a research and development at uh, Viridian Dynamics. Great name for a company, I think. So uh, good. And basically, what what his job is is to make stuff happen. His boss walks in and goes, "We need something outlandish," and he goes, "Sure, let me figure out how that works." He goes to his crack team of scientists to uh, give him the road the the rundown. Anything from you know killer pumpkins to some weird fabric that needs to be sorted, and then he has a testing department who tests them out to make sure it can all work. 
So that's yeah. basically the rundown of what the the, the story is going to be. In this first episode, we uh, we we meet Ted and his co-workers, and basically they freeze one of their employees because they think they can, and that's pretty much the rundown of the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Except uh, there's also the 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 part where the co-worker doesn't really want to be frozen, but then changes his mind after speaking with his wife, who very earnestly encourages him to be frozen (laughs) (laughs) and be locked away for a year. (laughs) Now, Ted Ted also has a a young daughter. I think she's about eight years old, who he uh, listens to very... He's a single dad. He's either a wife run away. And he's uh, he's also in a weird relationship, three-way relationship with his boss and his head of research or his head of testing, I guess he calls them. And that's that's uh, that's the basic plot of uh, Better Off Ted the pilot episode. It, and look, Viridian Dynamics as a company is kind of morally ambiguous when it comes to kind of ethically running as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a really smart look behind the curtain at a at a company that is kind of that is like evil, but everyone's kind of chipper and happy to be there. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it, it's how I think a modern evil company would work. Like, it, hmm. it's it's just you know they've got that's your job is to do the best evil thing you can do. It's kind of like if Doctor Evil's company had its shit together a little bit better. Like they're not <laughs> yep. living in a mountain; they're just living in a big building and kind of just yeah. being being kind of evil. Yeah, I mean, you could totally see number two from from Austin Powers actually at the top of the company and running it yeah. quite efficiently. And you talk about them being an evil company, but I I, I don't think it's necessarily evil. They're not setting out to do evil. They're just morally vacant, like yeah. like yeah. you say, <laughs> yeah. Com- completely blank. They're, they're, they're the kind of people who are lovely. They get along with each other. They were, if someone was retiring, they'd throw them a lovely party, give them a gold watch and everything. But they would also just neglect the fact that they've been exposing that person to carcinogens for, for decades. And that's, yeah. yeah. So they, they don't yeah. really care about their employees' health or safety or anything like that. Like, no, but, but they'll protect, they'll perform that they do. Yeah. There's a, there's a veneer of, of just compliance, yeah. but that's really it. It's, mm. it's got a pretty solid cast. It's got, it's got Jay Harrington um, as, as Ted. Uh, Portia de Rossi is his boss. Um, and there's, there's faces you will see that pop up in lots of different places things most recently uh one of the scientists um is in the boys you know just randomly yes. i was like oh it's, as, it's that guy P, is pa yeah yeah mm. uh, and, and of course and a- andrea uh anders is in ted lasso as mrs lasso correct so i gotta throw that in there as well so so, so these these are these are sort of honed sitcom kind of actors that pop up in a whole bunch of different areas um and uh our, our, our one of our characters that gets frozen um he just turns up in a heap of stuff. He's got, you need a Weasley looking dude, a little odd looking. He's your man. He, you throw him in stuff. Yeah. There, there's a quirkiness about this show, right? It's kind of almost a precursor to, to some of the, the more quirky sitcoms that we've had down the line. Um, it's a, it's a very pure sitcom in that sense. Like it's very much a, th- you know, it's not a studio audience sitcom, but it's very much a, a kind of tightly edited, well shot kind of, frenetic yeah. pace sitcom yeah there's it's, it's jokes all the time so it's it's there's not a, there's not a heap of dialogue that isn't meant to be funny or mm. um to be to be jokey it's not there's not a deep story here it, no it's, but it's, it's it's jokes 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 yeah but the humor is a little bit more more subtle so it's not sort of slapstick laugh track type no. type comedy it's really comedy that's a, a that is being 
I suppose we, it, I suppose it's comedy that's made that's that's coming from the situation that they're in and, and the moral vacuity of this company and the people operating inside it, um, and the fact that you know that uh, our friend Ted is actually questioning the ethics of of what he's doing for seemingly the first time and then taking moral cues from his eight year old daughter, who you know makes a compelling argument of don't freeze Phil. I like Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Phil came to my birthday party. Please don't freeze people who came to my birthday party. Was it yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a really sound argument, but that situation is also funny. So the humor is is a yeah, it's not slapstick. It's a bit more, bit more refined. Yeah. Um, they they bend over backwards to make Ted an incredibly likable character really yeah. early on, um, mm, yeah. by by having him being a single father to a particularly cute child who I must say does a really good job at being natural in dial in the delivery of dialogue for a first yeah. episode as a kid actor. I thought she was really good and really quite believable and charming in her own way, um, and her and and Ted bouncing off each other just worked incredibly well. Um, while being kind of morally ambiguous and and kind of being a bit kind of shifty in the way that he he goes about work, um, he's yeah. an incredibly likable character early on. Um, mm. Even though you see him him, you know, sort of have a office affair as he describes it, and immediately just blurting out that he used up his one office affair and he can't have another one. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, the portrayal of his boss I found really interesting in that in in that scene where. Um, they decide to have the affair or basically at her instigation and she propositions him very directly and very bluntly. But she's certainly portrayed in a really strange way as just someone who is completely sociopathic, you know, has no real social, no real sense of what, you know, social norms are and, and operates in a very, um, a very unusual, very unusual way, very cold, unfeeling, no emotion. And I, I, I want, I found that interesting and I, I, I wonder how that would play out through the rest of the series. Well, it's it's almost like that 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 character has to be that or that person, that kind of authority and that kind of moral grey area has to be detached, has to be that kind of person to succeed in business. Well, the way yeah. it's portrayed. I mean, she is portrayed as someone who who comes across as pretty clever. She's also very opportunistic. I mean, Ted is Ted jokingly mentions about this fabric, and she says we need a, we've developed it, we need a new use for it. And he's and and Ted jokingly suggests, yeah, how about we we make it into food? And she says, are you serious? We'd love to get into that market. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> you know? And she's happy to jump on board with that. No no sense of humor, no sense of um, you know, someone trying trying to make some kind of human connection with her. Yeah, she's completely robotic and kind of almost sociopathic in that way. But she's a really strong female character. She's clearly very high up in this company that's that's worth, you know, a lot of money. It's one of the America's mm-hmm. biggest companies, I think Ted said, says at the start. So she's really high up. She's incredibly powerful. But she just takes what she wants as, as evidenced by the fact that she walks into Ted's office and just blurts out, I think we should have sex, and then they do. Um, yep. And... Uh, uh- yeah, she's really strong and powerful in that in that uh, that, that position. She is, but also still respectful because she asked Ted on. Unless you don't think we should, mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless, unless you know, unless you don't want to, and yeah. then we should. Um, yeah. and, and also, I think the the Linda character um, is also very is also very kind of strong and stands up to Ted really quite boldly through the whole the whole thing. She's got a, a softer yeah, under, but it makes and, no, but it makes no difference. Because everything she says about how he can't do this, you're going to drive the employees insane. Mm. He still does it anyway, and they sell a they pre-sale a million chairs because, you know, yep. her advice just goes falls flat mm. because there's money to be made. Yep. 
No, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, but I, I will point out that this this show, he is talking to the camera directly, not so much like the documentary, like the office kind of thing. It's 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 more of, I'm not sure. He's, he's, he's it's, it's fourth wall breaking. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Breaking. Ed's aware that we're watching, but no one else is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He's talking directly to us. So mm-hmm. some of the stuff he says, especially early on, he's talking directly to us. Yes. It's an odd, it's an odd mix, right? Like it works, I think, for the show. It gives it that quirky kind of humor, but it's never explained. No, it mm. never explained why t- why Ted's speaking to us. No, and I think something the show is going for it, it is that quirky sort of humor, but also, uh, I suppose, situations and scenarios and conversations that have uh, an echo of realism to them as well, which all all good satire does. Mm. Um, but co- because Rudy and Dynamics is a completely beige. Uh, company name you would not be surprised to see a real company called viridian dynamics floating around on wall street god knows what they actually manufacture or do and god knows what the people inside it do so in this sense like this uh this this show kind of puts up a bit of a a parody or a bit of a you know a bit of a fantasy of what working inside one of these faceless soulless corporations would be if you were a faceless soulless morally (laughs) ambiguous vacant person (laughs) well the the opening the opening uh video is basically them saying we do pretty much everything mm. from from wind energy to you know weapons of destruction we pretty much do it all anything that anything is anything that is in your life that is good we did it basically yeah. they say. <laughs> those those ads are obviously a continuing kind of theme that run through the the series that get kind of more and more questionable as they go through so that narrator is a, is a continuing kind of character through that which um, those some of those ads are brilliant and and really quite quite quirky and funny. While being they can also turn a little bit menacing and a little bit threatening too, which always makes me laugh <laughs> as well. And so it is. There's like Viridian Dynamics is kind of an over an all reaching um, kind of super company, but at the yeah. same time, what what we're presented is very human issues, right down to the fact that a super intelligent engineer can't work out that you take the toilet paper off the roll. It's if it's too far away to bring it with you, um, but but that, why did they move it in the first place? There's no explanation why they moved it in the first place. Well, they didn't, but I'm sure it's to annoy the staff. Well, no, no, they yeah. they said so that if, if it's further away, they're less in time to sit there and yeah, you know, exactly waste right. Their time. Yeah. yeah, but they but they left the holes like they they left they can clearly it's unpatched. Yeah. Like you can see they've moved it just yep. to be asses, you know. Like <laughs> they're they they're an care. evil company that's just good at annoying their employees. Well, yeah. but there's, there's also like the typical corporate sort of, um, you know, slapdash attitude of I've, uh, I'm going to hire a contractor to move the, the toilet roll from here to here, but the contractor's not paid to actually make the old spot good or fix it up, and that's, no. you know, not my job, mate. Like, <laughs> We might go back to it afterwards. We might reuse that hole once, once you know, we've solved that issue. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love the passive aggressiveness of, of Linda's character, the fact that, I feel like we've all, anyone that's worked in an office environment can relate to the fact that you have no power. You are powerless in a big corporate machine. So Mm. she does whatever she can. And what she can to rally against it is to steal creamer. She doesn't need, (laughs) but she's going to keep stealing it because that's her one way of rallying against the troops. Yeah. But but I I love that it's it's called back in the, by, um, by the boss, Portia de Rossi's character. She goes, you know, you're using a high amount of creamer, and also mm. with the, with the personal calls, she has oh, a lot of personal calls. You're just like they're obviously monitoring every single aspect of their work. They don't. Court. They don't charge you for it. 
They just want you to know that they know that you're <laughs> using the phone for calls. Like yeah. they send them to you, which is it's such a and I think she says the line there at that stage, she says, Can a can a company be bitchy? Because that's, yeah. that's what the company is. Like it's just yeah. a real bitchy corporate entity. But, which... it, but it, it's it's like it's like most works when you use the photocopier, right? You 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 swipe your card and it tells you how much it's gonna cost to print. Yep. The thing that you're printing, they're not going to charge you for that, but they want you to know that you're wasted ten cents of their money. Yeah, man. Are oh, you printing oh, a color, you stuff. fucking peanut? Yeah, that's twenty five cents. You, <laughs> you environmental <laughs> vandal. I was going to say our, our work has um, the amount of CO two or something generated by. Oh, tells us the price of how much we're cost. Like if we're printing like a, a contract, yep. it'll be yeah that that that's two dollars thirty that you're yeah. spending right there. Do you really need to spend that? I have to <laughs> manually toggle the color on, even though it's a color photo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, me like too. It's got it set to black and white. Like that's the that's the base level. Yep. And I've got to manually go in and toggle it to get back to color. <laughs> oh, the agony! But but these sorts of minor annoyances. This show is basically trying to tell us this is what a large corporation could look like if it was solely dominated by people who you know uh, operated in this way and, and approached business um, in in that manner so it's taking it's taking something that people who work in some kind of institution or some kind of professional environment <clears throat> would see every day and then sort of amping that up you know to it to a higher degree very similar to what you probably see in um, something like uh, utopia for our mm. um, Australian audience but but um <clears throat> In a in a different sort of way, and perhaps not as not as uh, not as direct, and to be honest, in my opinion, not as well. I can imagine something like working at Google has a whole bunch of perks, but realizing mm-hmm. that individually the company doesn't care about you as a person. Like, I, this is what this show is trying to get at, right? Like, you are just a cog in a wheel, and this company is really kind of overt about the fact. Like every company that you ever speak to, is like, no, or our, we are our employees. We you know, we value every single person. You're not simply a number. Whereas Viridian Dynamic is like, yeah, you're a number. It's just over. It's, it's, it's the, it's the, it's every company, but without that kind of false consciousness, you know, they're not even bothering to kind of cover it is half, half the time. It's the holes in the toilet wall. We're not even going to bother covering that up. We've moved this and we want you to know that we've moved it. Um, yeah. Well, I don't think, but I don't think they didn't patch it up out of any kind of malice. I think it's, and I don't think they're intending to intimidate people by saying, "Yeah, we know it's, we know it's, we want you to know it's been moved." I just think they don't care about making it look good. They've moved no. it. It's accomplished the goal, which is to stop people being in the bathroom as long, and no one's thought about going back, or no one's been bothered to go back to actually. You know, and and, and they've, the they've asked Phil to undertake a, a, a dangerous mission, effectively to freeze yeah. himself. Yeah. And as soon as he becomes an annoyance after having some side effects being <laughs> being thought out, him. they just want to fire him because he's he's he's, he's annoying people and annoying well, people. Yeah. Before we even get to that point, though, they they freeze Phil, and I think he's frozen for a couple of days. And he they told him as before he went into the freeze that we. Would like we'll we'll keep you in the office in the in the lab so you can still be around your friends and see them every day even though you're presumably not conscious. Um, but that lasts the whole of like forty eight hours before they say, "No, we've got to get rid of Phil, shove him down to the basement somewhere," and they bring in some slap India. Or India. It wasn't like downtown or India. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and then they get a couple of guys in to move him with like a bit of a, a, a trolley jack type thing or whatever, and instantly they, they stuff it up and they drop it and, you know, down Phil goes rolling down the stairway. So it's uh, it's 
it, it really goes to lack of lack of care. They had the big party when Phil was getting frozen. Everyone clapped. They gave him a bit of a chance to have a bit of a spiel and start talking. But then they very quickly closed the door and started winding it up and, and freezing him while he was still trying to give his sort of farewell speech. Um, yeah, yeah, and and being kind of mildly uh, grateful that his eyes didn't explode at minus twenty degrees. Like that was really <laughs> the the one part that they had to yeah. get over. Yeah. Um, so. You know, there, there is, I think there's a lot to like, particularly in this pilot episode about, you know, it is a, it's a little bit quirky, a little bit different, but at its heart, it's everyone's had, everyone's kind of either experienced or knows someone who's had an office romance. So there's that kind of beating, hmm. clearly kind of will they, won't they kind of attitude that always kicks off in these sitcoms. There's always something going on in that space. Um, yeah. But at its heart, I think everyone can, anyone that's held down a job can kind of relate to, minor office annoyances um, that are big issues for people and, uh, and and kind of everyone's worked for a company, I think, that mm. kind of, yeah. you know, isn't the best company to work for. Yeah. All right. Can I now give you my views on this show? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Look, we've had a bit of a giggle. We've talked about the, the ins and outs. We've talked about the, the Ted and the likability of his daughter and I suppose the overall theme of what it would be like to work in a, in a company that – for a company that uh, highlighted all the worst aspects of corporate life, I just didn't really enjoy it that much. I, I didn't find like the jokes uh, are funny when we're, a little bit funny when we're talking about it now. When I was actually watching it, I didn't really laugh. Um, I sort of you know sniggered a little bit, and I certainly felt the the pain of some of the comments, and 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 some uh, I certainly understood some of the references to the the sort of soulless, um, you know, uh, morally ambiguous corporation um vibe i understood that it just just didn't do it for me guys shannon, uh, not shannon because i know you love it jake what did you <laughs> uh, i i enjoyed it I, this is the kind of show that i'll i'll always enjoy the the fast pace like it, it went i guess it's a 25 minute episode and it mm-hmm. went by so quickly like yeah you, know, you compare it i feel like i compared it to the episode of the office where i'm watching that it's just so fast paced and so so go 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 i, I just i enjoy everything about it i think I think the acting was great. The um, the jokes landed really, really well. Um, I, I mean, I didn't love it. It wasn't like my favorite sitcom ever, but I, I had a good time watching it, and I'm, I, I want to watch more. So yeah. that's that, that's probably the next, the it, biggest compliment you can give it. It is really hard to find. Like it did, it just simply did not take off in a, in any meaningful way. And I, you know, it's an interesting back backstory in the sense that it's, it's it was created by Victor Fresca, who's had his hand in quite a lot of successful TV shows. Um, either as a writer or as a creator, and it just didn't—it just didn't go anywhere. Like it just—it did two seasons and and kind of was always on the cusp of being cancelled. And mm. it, it fascinates it was- me that these these shows are almost a dime a dozen. I think this one stands out against others, and I think this kind of paved the way for some of those shows. I think I think something like Arrested Development is infinitely smarter than that than this show. Like I think Arrested Development is the best version of this show. But it's kind yeah, right. of in the same vein, and with the Porsche de Rossi kind of linkage, it makes a lot of sense. And I think I think I'd put sort of community and 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 Arrested Development in the in the smarter character ca- category. Yeah, there. yeah. This this is their you know their their off cousin, their weird kind of cousin. Yeah, but it, it was one of those shows that you just you never you you heard about from everyone, or you heard about from select people who know this kind of stuff, and then you couldn't find it anywhere. It was, you know, back in what two thousand and nine, two thousand nine, I think it was, and you heard about it, and people had it, you know, they got it from the internet and whatnot, and they passed it around, but you, you just couldn't find it naturally. 
it was one of those ones you just had to you had now we can we can download we can um what's it called rent from google but mm. yeah, you could you couldn't find it back in the day yeah and, and that's how i found it up found it on google as well and i was a bit surprised it's not on any of the, the streaming services but i mean you know that that's all right and, and it makes me feel a little bit um I feel a little bit unusual because you guys, you guys liked it, and I think you guys like community as well. And I also didn't really take to that one, so I'm sitting here trying to figure out what it is in the in in these shows that I that doesn't particularly appeal to me, but obviously appeals to you guys. I am wondering because I'm, I'm sensing a theme. Is it just sitcoms more broadly? Like, what is it that a successful you know, kind of Amer- American Mash. sitcom? He liked Mash. Yeah, yeah, I thought Mash was fantastic. I enjoyed The Big Bang Cheese, Theory. Cheers was good. Yeah, you know, like, Shannon like just rolled his eyes at me for liking um for liking <laughs> the Big Bang Theory. Scrubs uh, is fantastic. This, yeah, yeah. This is kind of in the same. I think in the same vein as Big Bang Theory because it's it's not a lot, not a lot of deep story going on. It's 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 a lot. Don't get me wrong, Shannon. It's a lot better than Big Bang Theory. It, 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 it is. It has very... one key difference, and then it's funny. And I think that's the key <laughs> difference I would make between that and the Big Bang Theory. Well, um, it's just it's just it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of sitcom like a workplace comedy where big bangs all pop it's very it's very it's satirical i would have thought it's got more of a satirical Mm. lens than something like the big bang theory has it's 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 uh i i think it's smarter than that i think it's it's not a typical sitcom and i'm it seems to it's a bit of a a middle ground maybe and that's where it kind of failed it either needed to be one or the other it wasn't broad enough for the for the general audience like a big bang theory and big big bang theory you know two and a half men they are very broad comedies um, yes yeah incredibly broad comedies um and, and and these types of shows these little niches either find their audience something like scrubs that just hit seem to hit that right angle and and as much as i love community community and rest development struggled to find an audience because they weren't broad enough i, I think yep. i think you're the theory the problem Shannon, and you kind of made it really obvious then is that scrubs was broad but it had heart where this mm. is just all comedy all the time, and so is community in a way. There's a lot of heart in community. I wouldn't have thought that's true. Scrubs shouldn't mm. have worked. I, I, to me, Scrubs is is an anomaly a bit that it should not have worked as a show, um, because it was it was a bit Family Guy before Family Guy, but then it had this kind of backbone of character set in a hot like it just seems things that all the parts are wrong. But whatever whatever happened with Scrubs. It, it was right, and mm. and I just think I don't know whether this is is this better if you've got a more of a, a characters focus, like these are wacky characters being wacky, like there's not a yeah, lot but, of grounding for that. Do you, but do you like you you walk into Scrubs and you see you know John Doran on his first day of, as a doctor going through his life as a doctor, where this you you smack bang in the middle of an already established workplace, you don't there's no heart behind the you know, I don't care about what story happens next. I don't give two yeah. stuff what happens next in the story. I just want to see more of what wacky stuff they invent. Okay, that's what I'm yeah. looking for. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So this conversation is is making me sort of reflect a little bit here because we've we've talked about Scrubs and I, I love Scrubs and I think you you've hit on hit on the head there, Jake, about there being a heart. Um, I also really enjoy The Office and that's another show that that certainly is greater than the sum of its parts in terms of you know that the, the characters become very compelling and that's really what powered its success for many many years of development of, of them and, and the jokes that they they sort of tell um, in, in that story. Perhaps and. Perhaps this show just yeah it doesn't quite have that heart. I felt pretty similar about Arrested Development. Um, it, it's it's sort of like it's superficially funny to me, but there's there's something else that's not pulling me in and 
making me engage. Like, to be honest, I can barely remember the names of the characters. It just didn't really, it sort of washed over me and I didn't really get, get hooked by it. So I wonder if there's some kind of, for me, there needs to be some kind of emotional hook that happens in a way that, you know, Scrubs did it really well with our introduction to John Dorian and, and the characters in the first episode. And I think um, in in something like the Big Bang Theory and, and The Office, we get those those very powerful introductions very early on and it really sets the tone and um, introduces to the characters really well in a way that just doesn't happen here quite as strongly. It's really perhaps more about the situation and the, the satire and around the corporation. I don't know. I, what do you think, Shannon? <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I ate dinner early because putting The Office <laughs> and the Big Bang Theory in the same sentence really does turn my stomach somewhat. Oh. Um I, I don't see any any character or any heart in Big Bang Theory at all. It seems to be a regurgitation of pop culture reference after pop culture reference. And that's that's as much as I can say about that show is they certainly have watched other TV shows. Um, mm. but, but, but something like Scrubs, I think, immediately hits you. I would almost call Scrubs a dramedy. Like, it's actually got both elements in there. Yeah, it does. Yeah, 100% and, and, does. And look, it's horses for courses. I don't need to be, to be attached to character every time I watch a TV show. I'm more than happy to let stuff wash off of me. I've always said Arrested Development is my favourite, is one of my favourite <laughs> shows of all time. There is no character. Those characters are awful and there's no mm. character development at all and you're not there because of the interrelationships between the two. But there is some really relatable and I just think really incredibly smart writing. Now, Better Off Teddy's not that vain. It's not incredibly smart writing, but it is very relatable to me, and I'm sure other other people who've worked in it. The passive aggressiveness of a company, and it's hilarious. The fact that a company is passive aggressive, yeah, um, that makes me happy. That makes and me the small rallying against it, and and kind of trying to do your best while being in a very amoral. I actually, I actually love the comparison that of, of um, Doctor Evil. Like, if you if you picture it as Doctor Evil's side yeah. company, yep. it works perfectly. Like that, that makes it even better. Like it just it elevates it almost to a different level. That it's his side company that he's and, you know, and the, the, enough, about the board. It's, yeah. it's actually Doctor Evil. And, and funnily enough, in in that there are genuinely kind of other. There's a lot of minions in Doctor Evil's. There's a, an evil board that sits around and talks yeah. about evil stuff. But, yeah. but there's then the, the security guard who's just hired to guard that door. And he doesn't mm. ask more questions than what do I do or I'll just stand here and I guard it. <laughs> I've, I've got to wear a silver uniform? Sure, whatever. Like, And there's that great scene in, in Austin Powers where after the guard is killed by the, the, the sharks with laser beams on their heads or the piranhas or whatever it was. Freaking freaking laser freak, beams. Freaking, yeah. freaking yeah. laser beams. Freaking yeah. laser yeah. beams. Uh, it was sick. They, they cut to that fantastic scene where his wife is getting the phone call. Yes, my husband <laughs> is, a, is a henchman at Dr. Evil's Corporation. <laughs> yeah. no, That's what it'd be like that they get a phone call. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm pretty sure that's in the first one and that's after he is steamrolled to death. Oh, steamrolled. In, yeah, in, yeah. in, steamrolled in the, in the yeah. longest, he's got the, yeah! an age to move and it doesn't because it's a very slow. Yeah, Austin's going, way. move, move, and he's just, ah! and then And then you get a, it's such a slow that's burn. Right. Into yeah, a oh. phone call from his wife, and it yeah, is, right. and yeah. it's like you assume that they've got like evil health insurance, like <laughs> you know, like but, you know what I mean. Like there's just, but I it, feel like that'd be the phone, that'd be the phone call that that he got after he didn't wake up from cryo status. You know, something went wrong. Yeah, hundred percent. That yeah, yeah. that phone call is what the wife would have got. Just a phone call yeah. from a random company, random employee, random HR representative. Yep, that's yeah, what yeah, it'd yeah, be. You're, you're, 
But yes, my husband is Phil. Yes, he was frozen as part of an experiment by yeah. Viridian Dynamics. Oh, oh, yeah. What do you mean? Oh. He's passed away. He, has, he didn't come. The thawing out process didn't work. It wasn't successful. Oh, well. Yeah. You know. like, like all of us going, there's no way I would let my company freeze us. That doesn't make it like, <laughs> but, but in Phil's world, yeah, that's something that would happen. That's something they would yeah. ask of me. That, that yeah. they, Ted had to check if she was talking about computer mice or actual mice in or one mice. section. Oh, that was that was so funny. Yeah, but also the drinking fountain when he's like trying to get water out and he just can't do the, and then he just gives up. No, nothing said about it. He yeah. just walks away from the drinking fountain. That, that just, kind of stuff, I just, I just love that kind of humor. It and so there is a bit of, there's a bit of slapsticky stuff in there, but there's yeah. also, I think, some really funny satire that I just think mm. I think he's a is a really interesting lens to watch to see people try and survive a company, survive work. To, in my mind, um, and do their do the best of their, that version. Like they are genuinely trying to resolve whatever the issue is. You know. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talking talking. We're talking amoral bankrupt kind of <laughs> issues. Let's let's jump straight into the next show about American politics. Sure. So I'm happy to take this one, Shannon. This was I was actually really looking forward to this show because I I really enjoy um, politics, political discussions, and American politics is like it's almost like the WWE. Of, of for politics fans around the world. People will tune in to watch American politics. It's got a very avid audience. Um, so we're in, in this episode, in the first episode, the, the pilot here, we are introduced to Laurel, who is um, the sister of a US senator who is named Luke. She's come to the US Capitol to, uh, or to Washington, D.C. to meet with her um, brother Luke and their father um, at, at, at a party um, and through through the course of the episode her father manages to convince her to take up a job with Luke he sticks her into a into a situation where she's meeting constituents and via this she discovers um, there's been some kind of uh, incident where an asteroid is meteor has plummeted into the earth and uh, it's being shipped over to the United States and it turns out that it's actually populated with horrible brain-eating bugs who she begins to suspect have taken over individuals and by the end of the episode it looks very much like they're going to be taking over the entire u.s government perfectly surmised well done um of quite a bizarre uh uh concept for a show um, yes, it was a very it's a very strange concept for the show, but in it in the first episode we get a really interesting perspective into, I suppose, the real cynical way that politics is done, um, potentially in the United States, or at least um, from the point of perspective of somebody who's outside. You really get a bit of a the cynicism is what really sort of comes through, particularly when they're trying to negotiate some kind of a deal to stop the U.S. government shutting down. Um, a Republican senator, you know, reaches out surreptitiously to um, Luke. Laurel's brother via, via her to have a conversation about cutting a deal, and Luke and the, his you know fellow uh, office holders determined not to entertain a deal because they're quite happy for the other side of politics to shut down the government, throw a hundred thousand people out of work because it's going to give them better news coverage later, uh, you know, in the following weeks. And as Luke says, it's all about you know who gets to win the big prize later on down the line, the presidency, and the cynicism that's reflected in there is, uh, you know. Shocking and uh, and very uncomfortable for someone who has an expectation that government is going to be run for the benefit of the people. And and so I mean it's dripping satire. I mean it, it doesn't it doesn't speak very highly about American politics at all. Um, no, in, in the way that this show is 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 structured. 
Um, and I mean, the fact that they they operate with half a brain, as you see with Tony Shalhoub's character, he's, he loses half of his brain and is still mm-hmm. able to function and actually function better because he was a yep. raging alcoholic who now can function. And effectively, these bugs, when, when they get in your brain and take over, they, they amp up whatever allegiances you have, whichever way you swing, you swing mm-hmm. much harder that way. So, yep. you know, there's a, there's a comment effectively that really... Democrats and Republicans are not massively different in terms of the, the way mm. that they tackle stuff, but these sort of these bugs take over and then push push that to the nth degree, um, and so uh, you see these this, this slowly taking over uh, everyone in DC, um, and I really I love the way that they used real life real life examples that the meteor was was actually a meteor that crashed over Russia. Yes. And we- a bunch, mm. bunch of that footage and 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 some of it's made up and some of it um is actual footage um and then we see clips of hillary clinton and we see clips of donald trump um as the backdrop to to american politics so it gives you a, a point of time straight away um i think from memory it's it's pre-trump the trump presidency yeah, um, it's the campaign, it's yeah, the campaign, campaign into that so yeah. um Tony Shalhoub, who is just a national, international treasure. We love Tony Shalhoub, um, who plays the drunken, the drunken senator, a Republican senator, um, in contrast to kind of Luke's slimy, um, adulterous uh, uh, senator in the other way, all there to yep. feather their own nest, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The, the thing that's interesting is this show presents, I suppose, the worst possible interpretation of, of like, I suppose, the stereotypes. Red, the Republican, is a raging alcoholic who's, you know, self-centered, misogynistic, yada, yada, yada. Whereas Luke is a smarmy, self-serving, cynical, selfish liberal um, who is not really authentic and doesn't really believe what he says. He just kind of wants to grandstand and and, and point score. So, yeah, it it, it doesn't hold its punches in terms of the cynicism, but I probably think it is more cynical rather than satire. Uh, and And... Definitely, do, the United States system of government definitely does not come out shining. Routinely, there's mention of corruption. We see Luke gets to retain two people on staff. He retains his chief of staff, and of course, coincidentally, his sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it, while everyone else gets sent home without pay, and he says, "Oh, you know, continue. You know, go home, spend some time with your families, and you know, we'll co- get ready to do work as soon as you come back." And you know, that's just an incredibly glib thing to say to a bunch of people who are now going home for God knows how long, who don't have an income and can't pay their bills. I immediately connected with the her as the constituent outreach officer, having worked in customer yeah. service and also in government, yeah. having to listen and, and smile politely at crazy bullshit that people want to want to drag. Just <laughs> find um, a solution. Is there yeah. is her, is her and, response? And her meeting all day, especially the guy who just really wanted to see Luke with the chocolate dog he'd made. Yeah. I can absolutely yep. see that as a politician. You know, they come and they want to just complain and yell and you've kind of got to meet them. And that cynical kind of, and and we have signed hats and pens and posters for them to yep. take home. Like signed pictures. Like who give, who wants signed well, pictures? I mean, American you? politics hits different, right? Like I can tell you here in Australia, if any of the political parties either side had a rally at a stadium, they would sell no tickets. No one would pay <laughs> to go and see those people talk. Like no. we're very cynical about our politicians over here. Governments get voted out here. They do not get voted in. Like we get sick of people and we go, right, you've had your chance. Out you go, sunshine, and we bring the new lot in. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's a cult of personality in America. And, and, 
and you, you've seen that with the capital riots and and all that kind of stuff. It's it's absolutely about the the, the leader and their and their which side you fall onto. There's way more swinging voters here, and 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 no mm. one no one yeah. would is a diehard. No one's a diehard bloody liberal or or, well, you, or don't, you, don't, you don't identify yourself like the Americans do. Like they, no, they say, no. I'm a Republican. That's, that's, I'm, it's not. And they don't really change. Yeah, they don't really change. It's like a, it's like a football team. They don't really change yeah. a football team. Yeah, and there's a performative element to it over in. Well, there appears to be a performative element to it over in the states that we just don't don't really have, or at least not in the same, you know, to the same degree. Yeah, thankfully, um, I think there probably are people who feel very strongly and who who perhaps would perform that way, but the, the Australian electorate just doesn't really respond to, to that very positively. Yeah, if you ask the normal person on the street what they think of their local politician, they're never saying nice. Like, they will they no. will let them have it. Fix the roads. Uh, every, Fix every, the roads. Fix the roads. Every single, <laughs> every election campaign that we have, which is thankfully much shorter than the American election cycle, there's always a story on the on the news that that night about someone either t- refusing to shake the prime minister's hand, <laughs> or telling him he's a dickhead across a, a bar. Like every time, without fail. So <laughs> it, it's, it's always it always makes the news. And so yep. you know it's it is a different it's a different kettle of fish. But this this show is super cynical about about the the, the landscape and the political landscape. Um. And, and so, but if you are invading, and this is what they are, they're, they are an invading species, um, where would you want to go to to gain the most power? You would absolutely want to rock up at Washington, D.C. and start overtaking yeah, the, the political, not just the senators, but all of the surrounding, you know, people around that whole, because D.C. is effectively this corporation that runs on politics. Like it's just this whole, everything's kind of geared yeah. towards servicing the uh, Capitol Hill. That's right. Luke makes the point in the episode that he he could you know hook um, Laurel up with a, a grant to help fund her documentary that she's making tomorrow by going through some kind of national foundation. Her father talks about hooking her up with some kind of you know comfy job on some board or whatever, and th- that's how the, the, the this the show presents that these systems work. It's just these patronage networks, and um, depending on who who you know and what favors you owed, that sort of tells you that sort of dictates what. You know, what success you're going to have, um, and it's all happening at the expense of the taxpayer. And and, and so you've got an underlying mystery about who who has been taken over already, and so you can see mm-hmm. how that theme would be continuing through about who are they going to get, um, and 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 what that does to kind of change the system. I mean, arguably, does it make the system better? Does it is it something that does is actually an improvement on what we've got now? Um, so, you know, well, it's all those you, things that are coming to play. You do see two people who were raging alcoholics throw away their alcohol because of these parasites. So, you know, and, they're, and yes, they've gone fully one-sided the way they, they swing, but is that better? You know, is there, them being clear and focused a good thing? So we, we, see, we see what happens when someone is, is forcibly taken. Most of the... Mm-hmm. Of the, uh, of the um, I don't know. The infections are done when someone's asleep, uh, yep. like we see with with red wheatus, um, which is a great Republican name, by the way. Uh, yeah. I just watched the Fantastic. recent John Oliver episode, and they were talking about someone whose first name was Twinkle. Americans, <laughs> stop calling your kids weird names. Just stop it. Uh, they just, they just might run for politics at some stage, and you've gone. You call that kid Twinkle, um, but you know it's it's. Uh, 
whereas uh, you see uh, the the original reason why why Laurel becomes involved, um, the wife get forcibly um, yep. uh, infected, and that that's that's pretty pretty horrific while she's um, being held down. But um, yeah, it, it's 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 this forcible takeover, and the way they do it is to to assume um, to, to take over people's uh, brains effectively, which is the reason mm. the show's called Brain Dead. Um, what is missing in this in this episode, which I will talk about next season, next episode is uh, every subsequent episode has a folk song that's written directly for that episode that sum- that summarizes the last episode, and so really as yeah, the, I, as the intro song, you, which you, are you, they you, are brilliant. You got you got to watch the next episode, like the first two minutes of the next episode to um, really appreciate. And so it's it. written explicitly for each episode, so the theme song is always different. Um, and it gives you a bit of a summary by a local, I think a local comedian folk singer guy that's just gold. And there's actually, if you just get the compilation of all the show's intros together, <laughs> you can pretty much string the show together without having watching watching it all. But um, which is a shame that's not in this one because it is quite, um, it's quite an interesting well, way. It's, of it's, a, it's a recap. Show. It's not, it's not a, a, a recap every episode, but done yeah, it's a, it's a written explicitly for that episode, which is really, really fun to watch. Um I, I I love the cynicism of this. I think it's it's. I think look, <clears throat> I am mildly in love with Mary Elizabeth Winstead as well. So I will put that bias on the table. Um, her and Alison Brie call me, by the way. But um, uh, it, it, she, she's a very show- charming. <laughs> yeah, it's just turned into a, a love song dedication across the. Across the- <laughs> This this podcast is 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 not your avenue to try and like meet these women, Shannon. What other avenue have I got? I know. I think there's probably a ninety eight percent chance that both of them are listening to this episode. (laughs) Um, And so, Christian, I've been saying all along, shoot your shot, man. I just shot my shot. (laughs) Ladies, you know where to find me. So it's. You know, you know, but I think I think that it's it's really well anchored by her kind of earnestness and her kind of principled earnestness, in, as a backdrop to just uh, uh, the the area that she's in that that doesn't that just doesn't work. Like mm. having those principles, those scruples, just doesn't really work in this environment and is kind of unseen in this environment. Um, but but her her whole family's based around politics. She yeah. wants to be a documentary filmmaker. Uh, not a very successful one, and not very um, uh, what's the word like pop culture type oh, documentary. And just beautiful, like, like if of all boring. the things you could do a documentary about, the most boring subject that yeah. they could find, frankly. But but she's um, naturally gifted in politics because her family's been around politics forever. So yeah, yeah. and her father makes the point that the reason she, because the reason she would be so good at politics is because she hates it. Hmm. Yeah. And that's why she should come and help because she's an anti-politics kind of person and thinks yep. doesn't think like a politician. Um, sure. And and I and I love I love that about it is that she's you, you're watching through this this view of someone who kind of detests politics but has to use every avenue she's got to resolve this frankly fairly troubling issue of you know ants coming down and taking over people um, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, and, and and yeah, she's kind of just fallen into this this kind of weird and wacky environment. I love the use of the particular song that plays all the way through. Oh, oh. I, got over, I got over that very, very quickly. Oh, me too. It's very, very really grinding. It is the sting that you kind of, when you hear it, you kind of go, what, something's, something's yeah, on? It's a bit Pavlov's dog. You, you condition yeah. to kind of go, something's up. That song's playing again. 
It's um, very, very it, get, it grades on you very, very quickly. And and the the kind of thousand yard stare that that people get when they're they're looking at someone who's not infected, um, yeah, yep. kind of makes you cynical about everyone. You know, anyone that stares in the background, you're kind of like, are they infected? Is this what's going on? So you get that mystery of what's happening mm. all the way through the the series. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So to to follow the same sort of uh, pattern that we did in the last in the last with the last show, I I again didn't find this one very compelling. I don't know if it's, it's a cynicism or maybe it was it, it, the characters didn't kind of grab me and I didn't have the the heart that uh, I was looking for. But again, I yeah, it, it just didn't grab me and I don't think I'll be proceeding to watch a second episode. Jake, what about you? I'm interested to know what you thought. I was bored out of my mind. I these these kind of shows are just not for me. Political shows could be the least exciting thing that I get to watch. And like I I I, I understand American politics and I, I get it. I just don't find them compelling. I just do not care in the slightest. This person's trying to do this because this person wants to get votes. I don't care. And I just it's not a show for me. And it, sure, it, it, it's it's interesting. The brain taking over the the the, the mind is. is the bugs is great. I think that's fantastic, but it couldn't be in a less in a thing that excites me <clears> less than American politics. Oh man, that is so sad. I, I shot yeah. my shot. I really thought that this one would would speak to Christian. Like this was this was my hail mary about if if a show is <clears> going <throat> to land, if a comedy with the same sensibilities, this is American politics done cynically with this kind of crazy avenue, this kind of other other thing that's happening with the brain slugs come the brain bugs coming down and taking over people. Yeah. Um I, I think it's a brain bug thing that really turns me off. Like I I love shows about politics and um if we ever want to do an episode on House of Cards, I'm all about it. I think it's I think it's phenomenal. But um I don't know if it's if it's the cynicism, although I do I don't mind cynicism. It it, it um that doesn't really bother me at all. I think it's the the premise with the bugs that kind of gets gets to me with this one. I find that, it really that was the only part obviously. that I found interesting. That was the only part I found really was the brain bugs oh. part. I, I don't well, care I'm... about a senator's sister who has to go her first day and listen to complaints. Sure, that that happens all the time, but I just I don't care mm-hmm. about that. The fact that people are being overtaken by bugs. That's mildly yeah. it's setting up a world. I think the show becomes more for you, Jake, and less for Christian. It sounds like because the show <laughs> clearly evolves from they're setting up the political world, and yeah. it then moves. But it is a satire when it, as it moves along because it, it it if you're amping up both both the liberals and the and the or the Democrats and the Republicans, it's it show it's a sense of you know satire about what's the extreme. And unfortunately, it probably came a few years too late because we've probably seen the extreme of at least the Republicans. Like we've yeah, seen where that ends. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is kind of an amped up version of both of those. I, I vividly remember there's a scene where a Democrat just cuts openly weeping at a baby seal. Like it's just on. They put a baby seal on the screen and she just openly starts burst. She bursts into tears because yep. there's a there's a baby seal and it could climate change. And she just that's it. So there's you know that's it's really cynical both ways. Yeah, it just plays into every negative stereotype that both sides of politics have about the other one. It just presents them both as if they were both true and amped up to 11. And it's also not playing a side. Like, it's not saying the Republicans are better than the Democrats. No. That's what I I actually appreciate Mm. is that it's just politics is dumb for for multiple reasons. Here's all the things that's wrong with both sides. Yeah, the the entire system is broken and crooked and here's how cynical it is underneath everything. Yeah, and I think you make the, the. It's kind of easy on the Republican side. You make 
Luke uh, an adulterer at the same time, it's kind of like, well, he's just there to feather his own nest. So you've got to make him kind of the uh, an equally bad character uh, at the same yep. time. Um, yep. But you know, I, I like that. And I think I think if you persevered with this, at least Jake would, I think you would enjoy <laughs> that slant more. I'm not sure. I, I really did shoot my shot, Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed this is where we've landed. That's all okay. right, boys. You can't win them all, mate. I've, I've won very few on this show. I will continue to keep trying. Um, oh, <laughs> the all right. Well, so so which which show does it better? Which show's the better pilot? Do you, do you want me to jump in here first? Because I've kind of given yeah. my opinion first so far along. Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> again. Again, I didn't <clears throat> like both of these shows, but out of the two, I thought Better Off Ted was probably made better, and I, I think I enjoyed that more. I don't know if it was maybe shorter. Maybe the jokes are a bit more rapid, a bit more punchy, and there was a bit more. Um, a bit more entertainment in there for me. I, I was actually pretty bored by Brain Dead by by the end. Um, so my recommendation would be would be better off Ted. I think Brain Dead is probably more is better is is a better pilot. I think just based on you know setting up the world, the character building, the production value. Mm. I think everything's kind of better about it. But I'm not going to choose it because it's just not my cup of tea. I'm I'll, I'll go I'll go better off Ted because I I was I was entertained i want to watch more i want to see what crazy inventions they come up with next um yeah i'm all down for that world so better off ted for me yeah i think better off ted is the better is the better show i think brain dead is the better pilot and i think it's 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 better shot there's a level of intrigue that i to me to my mind wants to i wanted to see more based on on the pilot um the, the the mystery of the of the brain what do they want ultimately what are they here for um and and can you can you defeat them once you've been taken over are you able to reverse are all questions that i kind of had leading off that that pilot that i wanted i wanted answered um and and i was really keen to see the democrats taken over and see what would happen to those ones that are inevitably um infected um, now that we've seen the Republican side take it, what what happens on the other on the other side, and how deep do they go? Mm-hmm. How, how close do they get to kind of taking over? That's that that was the interest for me. Um, so that intrigue plus a kind of peek behind the curtain at how the back end politics works, and, um, and that recap rocks. By the way, that, that the, recap the, the recaps are very very solid um, and very funny. Um, I mean, the show's not a laugh out loud hilarious knee slapper. No. Like it's never it's never designed to be like that. Um, and I'm a cynical asshole at the best of times, so the cynicism just landed with me. Perfectly. I did expect it to be more funny based on what you said, Shane. I think you maybe sold it a bit more of a comedy. Maybe. I think, it's a, yeah. I think it's, a black, it's a black comedy yeah. in, for mine. I don't, yeah. See, I don't think Utopia, and we've gone back to Utopia a lot, um, I don't think yeah. Utopia is a laugh-out-loud, slappy knee. You think that's hilarious. But there's enough in that that just make you feel good and fuzzy after that. Um and yeah. I, I put it, you know, that cynic, that cynicism that's really, really apparent through that. I, I would point to, um, and that's why I think the recap's good because the recap is hilarious as 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 each episode starts. Yeah, so Utopia is a really interesting one because it is has got that cynicism and it. it really does provide. It's almost a documentary of, of um, you know, one person or a couple of small couple of people's experience in just trying to get stuff done despite. It kind of in spite of all the help that people are trying to give them in their department um, and in spite of the government policy of the day. I, I, I just didn't feel that connect come through close enough with, with Braindead or Better Off Ted. So, yeah. 
Well, uh, for for anyone that does want to want to see either of these shows, Brain Dead available on Stan here in Australia, um, and as the boys said before, uh, Better Off Ted is able to be downloaded as a season or individual episodes on Google Play at least, um, or uh, sorry, on YouTube or or, uh, or Google uh, Films. I think is the other one that you can you can find it. So, um, I think they're both worth checking out just by the by. Um, but I'm biased because I picked them and I like them both. Uh, and I, a, a real quick shout out to my friend Tim, uh, who've used to the other show. Uh, he's featured quite a bit. He put me into both of these shows. So um, that's my little shout out. Of course, this episode brought to you by Ver- Viridian Dynamics. Um, <laughs> you want to be frozen? We'll freeze you. All right. You ready to call the outro? Yep. Talent's here. Let's go. All right, you want to warm up or anything first? No, I'm no. good. <clears throat> okay. Hit me. Now, remember, no cliches, funny, light. It's a podcast. In a world. Always do this. It's the first one. But that's, that's It's what, the most obvious but one. But that's what good No. No. Just no. On the edge of space. Shan. Bedroom. House. Podcast. Us. Go. Jurassic Park meets Twilight. Imagine it. Yeah. yeah. We're a podcast. But We're not a movie. Dun, dun, dun. We podcast. Us talking about movies. Is it just, just no, no? Just go. Is it because the no, t- the T Rex no. has little arms and couldn't stab him in the chest with a stake? Go. A rooster and a cat are friends. Shen. I know you're a cock, but this. Careful. Come on, movies, podcast. It's us talking about them. Go. Two idiots have a podcast. They talk about movies and nonsense. If you'd like to join in that conversation, you can hit them up on masspodcasters at gmail.com or talk to them on Facebook. That's so hard. Yeah, my voice hurts a little. I've got a tickle and I actually think Jurassic Park and Twilight as a crossover would work. (sighs) Shut up.